0: you have your bibles this morning i would ask that you open them up to john chapter 9 john chapter 9 lamentations was not the passage of scripture for our sermon this morning god had just spoken to my heart about that passage and i just wanted to share with you briefly what it was that the spirit of god had just opened my eyes to when we were singing about great is god's faithfulness his mercies are new every morning, and I am so very grateful for the mercy of God in my life. How many of you remember that story that Jesus Christ told about the tax collector and the Pharisee who went up to the temple? Do y'all remember that story? Isn't that such a powerful story? The tax collector went into the temple, looked up, and said, God, thank you so much that, I mean, I'm sorry, the Pharisee went in to the temple, looked up, and said, thank you, God, that I'm not like the tax collector. The tax collector stood at a distance, would not even look up at the temple because it represented the throne of God. And he said these words, Oh God, please have mercy upon my soul. Please have mercy upon my soul. Has there ever been a time in your life where you cried out for the mercy of God? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have. Because when we cry out to Jesus to save our souls, we're crying out that God would have mercy upon us. This morning, I hope, I pray, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that you invite Him into your life, that you would receive Him as the Lord who saves. He loves you. He wants to show mercy and grace towards you this morning if you will only let Him. Now, if you missed the first service, you missed the blessing this morning because we saw that displayed in the life of a person when they came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Stepped out of the aisle, came down forward, looked at me and said, Brother Jeff, I need Jesus to save me. I need Jesus to save me. You know, I will confess as your pastor, I don't always come to church expecting God to do something like that. But my heart was blessed and touched this morning. And I hope today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is the day that you will cry out, Lord, have mercy upon me. The only thing I can do is throw me, throw myself at your feet. Oh God, please forgive me. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, the one who saves. That brings us to our story this morning in John chapter 9. We were in this passage of Scripture several weeks ago. We've kind of have strayed away from the Gospel of John over the last several weeks And the reason is, as we looked at a couple of different stories that very closely tied to our chronological Bible reading. I shared with you every fourth Sunday, we will try to summarize everything that we've been reading and talking about. We looked at that first story in Genesis, the third chapter, and what a beautiful truth we learn in that story. That through the seed of woman, there would be one who would be born, who would crush the head of the serpent that was Jesus Christ a prophecy foretold about him the Messiah who would come hanging down a cross at Calvary to pay the penalty for our sins he would be our redeemer then last week if you were here we looked at the great story of Abraham offering Isaac as a sacrifice to the Lord and we see in that story a beautiful picture of how the Father and the Son worked together to secure our redemption at Calvary. He did everything for us there. And the only thing we have to do is just come and cry out for mercy. Well, in this story, we have been walking through the Gospel of John on Sunday morning. On occasion, we take a little vacation, and we'll look over here, but I want us to turn our attention back to the Gospel of John. We're just walking through this Gospel verse by verse, chapter by chapter throughout the entire book. And really, my desire is, as your pastor, is that it would enable us to get a clearer glimpse, understanding of exactly who Jesus Christ is. In this narrative, this story that we looked at the beginning of it a couple of weeks ago in chapter 9 of the Gospel of John, we saw that Jesus Christ performed a miracle in a man's life. He healed a man who was blind from birth. Now that's very important. As a matter of fact, that phrase, blind from birth, appears five times in this story. It is significant, and through that, Jesus Christ is wanting to teach us something very important. Now, as I shared with you, behind every miracle that Jesus Christ performed in the New Testament, his desire was always to teach a very important spiritual lesson. And that is really true in this story this narrative through this narrative jesus christ is going to give us a glimpse of spiritual blindness oftentimes in the new testament physical blindness is an illustration of spiritual blindness you ever known anybody who was blind you ever know somebody who was blind on several occasions in ministry, I met a couple of people that I had the opportunity to pastor, to minister to, who were blind. They, used, they all shared the exact same thing with me. They all shared with me how challenging it is to be blind. As a matter of fact, I would say I can't think of a disability that may be more challenging than being blind. Physically blind. But I would tell you this morning, there is a greater blindness than physical blindness. The greater blindness is spiritual blindness. And through this story, Jesus Christ is going to teach us some important lessons about spiritual blindness. I want us to read this text together. If you have your Bibles, chapter 9 of the Gospel of John, we're going to begin reading in verse 18. It's a rather long passage of scripture. We're going to read verses 18 through 41, and we're going to finish out chapter 9 of the Gospel of John today the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son? Sorry about that. Is this your son? Let me go back and find my place now. My page keeps turning on me. All right, let me hold it like this. Is this your son who you say was born blind? You see it right there? How then does he now see? His parents answered, "We know that we know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But ha- but how he now sees, we do not know. Or we know, or nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him; he is of age. He will speak for himself." His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ. He was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciple? Now, I will say that's probably not a very wise question to ask of the Pharisees at that point in time. Yeah, it's probably just not a lot of wisdom when you look at the religious leaders of Jerusalem and you ask the question, do you now want to become the disciple of Jesus Christ also? I don't think so. But listen to what they say. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. Do you see the words there again? That same phrase, born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. In other words, they cast him out of the synagogue. Now I want you to think about this for a moment and try to put yourself in this man's position. Position. The synagogue was the center of life for the Jewish person. Everything in Jewish life in a town centered around the synagogue. When they cast this man out of the synagogue, he is now an outcast of society. On the fringes of society, no longer a part of Jewish culture and customs, he has lost Everything. Now listen to what happens here in this story. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see me may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask that he would bless the reading of his word this morning. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of being able to gather as your church around your word. And Father, as we have read your word this morning, we pray that you would just bless it that you would just impart wisdom and understanding to us through your Holy Spirit as we look to your word for guidance. Father, we acknowledge this morning as your people that your word is inerrant, that it has all authority for the life of the believer. So Father, I pray that we would be a people that is not simply a hearer of your word, but that we would be a people who is a doer of your word that we would take what we learn here this morning that we would apply it to our lives that we may grow in a deeper and a more meaningful relationship with you father please hide me behind the cross place in my mouth your words to your honor and to your glory father our desire is to lift Jesus Christ up because if we lift Jesus Christ up You tell us that You will draw people unto Him. So Father, we are trusting You will do that today. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. This is one of my favorite stories found in the Bible. I'm always amazed at what Jesus Christ does in this story. He takes a man who is blind from birth and He heals him. Now I want you to just try to put yourself in that man's place for a moment. Can you imagine living all of life and never seeing the light of day? If you can say that you understand that feeling, you can surely understand what this man experienced in this story. But greater than the healing that the man experiences, the, feeling, uh, the physical healing that takes place in, their li- in his life, I would tell you there is a greater healing that takes place in this story. Far greater than the physical healing that takes place in this story is the spiritual healing that takes place in this man's life. Did you see it at the very end in the context of the dialogue between Jesus Christ and this man? Jesus Christ comes to this man... And as he comes to this man, he asks the man the question, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answers, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord... I believe, and he gave evidence of his belief, he worshiped God. Do you see that? He worshiped Jesus Christ for who he truly was. You know, when I read this dialogue between this man and Jesus Christ, I'm always amazed at what takes place here. It is possible for a person to experience a miracle in life and still not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. On more than one occasion in my life, I have met people who put their faith in some kind of miracle that they've experienced in their life for salvation. Well, years ago, I was miraculously healed. And because of that, I just now know that I'm saved. Not really. This man was miraculously healed at the beginning of this story. But by the time we come to verse 35 of this story, he's still not a believer in Jesus Christ. He's still just as spiritually blind as he was at the beginning of the story. He had received his physical sight, but he still hadn't had his spiritual eyes opened. It is possible to experience a miracle in your life and still not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. That is very clearly taught in this story. This morning, I want to share with you quickly just three lessons that Jesus Christ teaches us in this story about spiritual blindness. If you're taking notes this morning, this is what you will want to write down. Lesson number one, Spiritual blindness is a symptom of a much greater problem. Let me say it again. Spiritual blindness is a symptom of a much greater problem. The greater problem is this. Every person is a sinner who is hopeless and helpless to change their own spiritual condition. That was true in this man's situation. His spiritual blindness was the symptom of his spiritual condition. Several weeks ago when we looked at this story at the very beginning of this chapter, I shared with you every single one of us is just like the man in this story. We were all born blind, not physically blind. We were all born spiritually blind. That is the truth of God's Word. Now let me share with you this truth as we see it in the Bible. David said in the 51st Psalm that he was conceived in sin. When David makes that statement, he's not saying somehow that the intimate relationship between a man and a woman is sinful. He's speaking about his spiritual condition. Even in his mother's womb, he had a nature inclined to sin. Paul goes on to confirm that in Romans the third chapter in the 23rd verse when he makes his statement for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul brings further understanding to that verse of scripture when he says in Ephesians the second chapter at one time we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. Now when we put all of those verses together this is what it means. Every person is born with a nature inclined toward sin and as a result of being a sinner we are all spiritually blind in the same way that this man was physically blind that is the spiritual condition of mankind now the world would have us to believe that mankind is getting better, that we are evolving to a higher state, but I would tell you that completely contradicts the Word of God. The Word of God clearly teaches us that man is not inherently good, that man is inherently evil. We are utterly depraved in our innermost being. If you don't believe that, just look at the state of the world that we live in. The tendency of mankind is to take everything that is good and pervert it. We see this over and over again, don't we? Sure, think about medical technology. Medical technology is a wonderful thing, but when it's put into the hands of men, what happens? They take it and they pervert it. Think about this. Think about technology in and of itself. I don't know about you, but I like technology. Technology makes something simple in life or a whole lot easier in life. But at the same time, you know what? Mankind takes that which is good and perverts it for his own use. Think about this. Think about government. When our nation was founded, it was founded on biblical principles that were to guide us and direct us, look at what mankind has done with the government of America. They have taken that which was good, and what did they do to it? They perverted it. You see, the clear truth that we learn in this passage of Scripture is this the truth that we see presented to us is spiritual blindness. Is a symptom of a much greater problem. And the greater problem in the life of mankind is we are all sinners who are hopelessly and helplessly, we are hopeless and helpless to change our spiritual condition. That is the truth of God's Word. There's a second lesson that Jesus Christ teaches in this passage of Scripture. This is the good news. Here it is. If you're writing, write this down. Only Jesus can cure mankind's spiritual blindness. Only Jesus can cure mankind's spiritual blindness. In the same way that Jesus Christ restored physical sight to this man in this story, Jesus Christ can restore spiritual sight to the spiritually blind. Now earlier when we read this story, I asked you, Listen to the number of times you hear that phrase, born blind. If you were to start at the very beginning of this chapter and you were to read it in its entirety, you would see that phrase five different times. Five different times in this passage of Scripture, John points out under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that this man was born blind. Now, I will tell you something. Anytime we see something repeated five times in the Word of God, you can walk away and say, that has to be important for my life. It is so significant in this story. That's the reason why we keep coming back to that same phrase that this man was born blind. And much of it has to do with the mindset of the first century Jewish person. The mindset of the first century Jewish person's belief was only God had the power to heal someone who was born blind from birth. No one else could do that. If they could prove, if the religious leaders could prove that this man was blind as a result of some kind of illness or an accident in life, then they can make the claim that possibly the condition had reversed itself. But that claim could not be made. Jesus Christ steps into this man's life and by healing him, a man who was born from birth, who was blind, he is very clearly announcing to this, con- uh, this group of people and to the world that he was God in the human flesh. That is what he is saying. He is saying to them, I am God in the human flesh. Do you see that here in this text? Only God has the power to heal a man born blind from birth. And what does Jesus Christ do in this story? He heals this man born blind from birth. And through doing that, he announces to all of the religious leaders, he announces to all of the people that are gathered there, I am God in the human flesh. Earlier, we looked at this dialogue that takes place in verses 35 through 38 of this passage of Scripture. I'm not going to go back and read that dialogue again, but I would suggest this to you, that the greatest healing that took place in this story is not physical healing. The greatest healing that took place in this story was spiritual healing. The man looked at Jesus Christ and he said, Lord, I believe. And at that moment in time, he moved from spiritual darkness into spiritual light. His spiritual eyes were open. We shouldn't be surprised by that. Peter says in Acts the fourth chapter, there is no other name given under heaven by which men can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. I will tell you this morning, salvation is found in one and only one person. Muhammad doesn't have the ability to save someone. Buddha doesn't have the ability to save anyone. Confucius doesn't have the ability to save anyone. There is only one name given under heaven by which men can be saved. That is the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ clearly announced to the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Salvation is found in no one else except for Jesus Christ. Only by His name can a person be saved, Jesus Christ. That is very clear in this passage of scripture. I realize that's not a popular message in our world. But I will tell you this. It is a truthful message. Only Jesus Christ can save a person. Jesus Christ is the cure for spiritual blindness. Only he can open the spiritual eyes of a person who is willing to see him for who he truly is. He indeed is the Lord who saves. That is Jesus Christ. Number three. Continued spiritual blindness leads to judgment. The third lesson that is very clearly presented to us in this passage of Scripture is that continued spiritual blindness leads to judgment. Listen to what Jesus Christ said here in verse 39. For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. I'll confess to you this morning, when I read that verse of Scripture this week, I was a little confused. Are you confused by what Jesus Christ says here? The reason I was confused when I read this, it seems to contradict what Jesus Christ said in John, the third chapter. What does Jesus say in John, the third chapter to Nicodemus? I did not come into the world to what? To condemn the world, to judge the world. I came into the world to do what? To bring salvation. But then clearly here, Jesus Christ says, for judgment, I came into the world. So where is the truth? Does Jesus Christ not know what he's talking about? Has Jesus Christ somehow forgotten what he said back in John the third chapter? In John the third chapter, Jesus says, I didn't come to condemn the world, to judge the world. I came to offer salvation to the world. Here he very clearly says to these religious leaders and to all of those gathered around him, for judgment I came into the world. Did Jesus make a mistake? We just discovered that through his announcement to the people that he announced himself as being God in the human flesh and then all of a sudden here it seems like he's contradicting himself, doesn't it? Can I say that Jesus Christ is both? That Jesus Christ is indeed Savior of the world and one day in the future... Jesus Christ will judge the world. That's the clear teaching of God's Word. In the Bible, there are two different judgments that are spoken of. The first judgment that is spoken of in the Bible is a judgment of believers. It appears three times in the New New Testament. In Hebrews, the fourth chapter, In 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, and Romans, the 14th chapter, we are told that every one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ one day will give an account to God for the life we lived here on earth. As a matter of fact, at the end of that passage of scripture in Romans, the 14th chapter, Paul says very clearly every person will appear before the judgment seat of God. Every believer one day will face the judgment of God. Did you know that? We will. Now, understand something very clearly. We won't be judged based upon our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is forever sealed. We have positional righteousness in Jesus Christ. When we trusted Christ, God took the righteousness of Christ and put it in us. We are sealed in Christ. We are right. However, one day every believer will stand before God and give an account of what they did with what God gave them. They will. We will answer what we did with our time, our talents, our gifts, our abilities, our resources, and our finances. We will answer to the Lord for that. Let me say something very clearly. Can I say to you, on that day, there are going to be a number of sad Christians. They'll look into the eyes of their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what they will see is disappointment. Disappointment. They won't lose their salvation, but Jesus Christ will be disappointed, and the reason he will be disappointed is they've chosen not to use the things that God has given them to bring honor and glory to his name and the furthering of his kingdom. Paul speaks about that in 1 Corinthians. He said some will simply be saved by what? Fire. Every good work they will do will be burned up like hay and stubble. There will be some. I believe that. They will have squandered everything that God gave them. Let me ask you a question this morning. Very quickly here. Just carefully listen. Will you be one of those? Will you be one of those that used what God gave you to build your own little kingdom here on earth rather than using what God gave you to build his kingdom and bring honor and glory? to his name. If you don't think that's true, read the story of Lot. Do you know that the Bible refers to Lot as righteous Lot? But when you examine his life, he is the illustration of a backslidden Christian he used nothing god gave him to bring honor and glory to the lord's name second peter read it peter refers to him as righteous lot there is a judgment for believers and every believer will answer to god but i would also tell you this morning there is a second judgment the second judgment is the judgment of unbelievers The Bible refers to it as the great white throne of judgment. It is spoken of in Revelation, the 20th chapter, verses 11 through 15. At that judgment, those who do not know Christ will give an account for the reason why they failed to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. let me say this about that judgment hear me carefully every single one of them will be without excuse will be without excuse i want you to hear the truth of god's word this morning paul wrote in romans chapter one that everyone apart from jesus christ is living under the wrath of God. In a per, if a person dies apart from Christ, hear me carefully, judgment is sure to come. Everyone will be judged. That is the truth of God's Word. And the real question that we need to ask ourselves this morning is this, which judgment will I be a part of? Which judgment will I be a part of? The believer's judgment where I give an account to God for how I used what he's given me? Or will I be a part of the unbeliever's judgment where I give an account for a failure to trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? Let me say something very clearly this morning. On that day if you find yourself at the unbeliever's judgment that will be the saddest day of your life it will be the saddest day of your life spiritual blindness there are people today walking in spiritual blindness. Some of them are blinded by religion. They think because their name is on a church roll somewhere and they've been dunked in a pool of water, everything's okay. I'm good to go. Can I share with you the people that Jesus was talking to in this story were the religious elite of his day and time. And he says, you are spiritually blind. Other people have been blinded by the things of the world. They've bought into the lies of the enemy that there's really no such thing as heaven and hell. Or they've bought into the lie that God's a loving God and He'd never send anybody to hell. And they're spiritually blinded. Salvation is found not in religion, not in government, not in the things of the world. Salvation is found in the person of Jesus Christ and Him alone. And my question for you today is this. Do you know Him? Do you know? Know him. Father God, we thank you for your word and the truth of it and the way it speaks into our hearts and our lives. Father, what a tremendous opportunity for us this morning to come and just to look, to examine our lives, to see where we are in relationship with you. Father, you tell us in your word that we are to test ourselves to see if we are in the faith this morning is an opportunity for every person here today to test themselves to see if they're in the faith to ask themselves the challenging question have i truly trusted jesus as the lord who saves if we have lord then it's an opportunity for us to examine our our lives To see what we are doing with what you have given us. To see if we're using our time, our talents, our abilities, our resources, our finances. Everything that you've given us to further your kingdom and to bring honor and glory to your name. Father, I pray that each one of us who are followers of Christ would ask ourselves the challenging question this morning to see if we are honoring you through the life that we are living. Father, we give you this time and pray that you would be honored and glorified during it. We ask this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.